Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. We are in week four of really what is a generosity initiative in, in the life of Compass Church. We're in the week four of launch. We've just moved into our building just a little, about a month ago, and we are at this unique point in the history of our church where God is doing some really cool stuff uh, in us and through us, and we're just really excited about those things. And, and really, we believe this, is that we want to go further faster and to be able to advance the mission of our church to make God accessible to everyone in the best way that we possibly can. And so that ultimately is what launch is all about. So thank you guys for joining us today. And uh, I just hope you enjoy it if you're a guest or you're not a follower of Jesus today. Just stick with us, enjoy it, have a good time. So mankind has really always looked to the stars, right? I mean, we've, I really just in all of human history, we've, we've mapped stars, we've made constellations and made animals out of stars and space. And I think man is just, mankind has always just kind of looked to space as this unreachable thing that's existed beyond us and always kind of yearned to get out there somehow. And in 1957, the world completely changed as it relates to mankind and space. Because in 1957, the Soviet Russia launched Sputnik, the very first satellite, into space. It was the first time that anyone had ever put anything outside of Earth's atmosphere and into orbit around our planet. And when it happened, like the whole, like, Every, all, the earth was just shaking. I mean, people were just like, what? Every country's like, Russia, they're killing everyone. And people in the United States were like, it was middle of the Cold War. And they're like, oh, Russia, God, you know, I hate them. They can't be better than us. And everyone in the United States was like, we have to beat Russia in this space race. And so the United States said, let's do it. And they, so they said, we need to launch our own satellites. And so they started to work on their own space program. But then just four years later, the first man was ever launched into space in 1961, and it was Yuri Gagarin. Again, Soviet Russia had beaten the United States into getting a man into space. And the United States, again, is like, oh my gosh, it's space. It's the next frontier of, of you know, mankind, and Russia's winning. And, and in the middle of the Cold War, the United States was all rattled and shaken. And John F. Kennedy was a president at the time, and, and he kind of observed all this, and he had this dream. Now, part of the dream was just to kick Russia's butt. I mean, that was definitely part of that dream. But he had this dream about space. And, and, and in a speech to Congress, he laid out this plan. And he said this. He said, listen, Russia's getting out there. He says, space is the new frontier of discovery for mankind. And we need to be at the forefront of this. And so JFK said, I want us to put a man on the moon within the next 10 years. Now, you got to understand that when JFK said this, like, there was really no, like, functioning space program or, or budgeted space program in the United States. It was, it was just kind of a little side project. It just didn't really exist. And when he said, I want to put a man on the moon within 10 years, he was saying, we're going to start from scratch, and we're going to surpass everything that Russia has done. We're going to, you know, get past the satellite stage, and we're going to get past the man in space stage, and then we're going to get to a person literally on that body that, that revolves around the Earth in 10 years. And when people heard that... I mean, people thought it was crazy. I mean, there were a lot of people It's like, that is just not possible. The engineering alone, the math, the science that it's going to take to build something and to plot out a course to get somebody there. And really, back then, the biggest challenge was, how do you get a man up into space? How do you get a person up in space and then get them back safely? 
but he said, we're doing this. And not only did he say, we're doing this, he said, we're going to fund it. And he committed in that speech $9 billion towards this new space program that he was beginning. Now, $9 billion nowadays, when we hear about like the National Debt of the United States, like $9 billion, I mean, that's probably like, that's probably the toilet paper budget for the, you know, the national government, the federal government. But $9 billion at the time, that was like 10% of an annual budget of the entire United States at the time. And so JFK pushed all of his chips in on this big, crazy dream, this plan that he had. Now, here's what's awesome about this. He said, let's do it. And people got behind him and said, you know what? This is scary. It's going to be tough, but, but let's do it. Within less than a year, the United States had launched their first two Americans into space and, and launched them into space and brought them back safely. I mean, literally in the same year, 1961, that happened. In less than 12 months... The United States had launched their first astronaut into space to actually orbit the Earth. And that was John Glenn. John Glenn was the first American to orbit the planet Earth. Now, this is really interesting as I was kind of reading about this. So, like, he went up into space. He went around the Earth. He was up there for five hours. And he orbited the Earth three times. He was traveling around our planet at 17,000 miles an hour. And he went around the entire planet Three stinking times. And I'm like complaining when I got to drive to Walmart on the west side. You know what I'm saying? But they brought him back. And like within the course of 12 months, these massive milestones had been hit. And then eight years later, less than the decade that JFK had, had predicted and pushed towards, eight years later, Neil Armstrong was the first human being to ever set foot on the moon. And it all happened because there was, a, there was one man who gathered other people around him who bought into a dream, a big, crazy, insane dream that, that so many people thought was impossible, so many people thought could never happen, and yet one person believed in it, and more people gathered around and believed in it. And because JFK was a, a crazy dreamer, a man landed on the moon for the very first time in all of human history. And then and now the space program that we've seen follow after it is just a result of all that. The Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote most of the New Testament, he actually started um, many of the churches that began in the very first century. So a lot of the, like the roots of everything that we do, the first churches that were ever begun were started by the Apostle Paul. This guy, he was a crazy dreamer too. Like he had, these, he had this crazy dream for what could happen in his life if he just pursued what he felt like God wanted him to do. And there were people in his life who said, that dream's crazy, you can't make it happen, it's not possible. But, but let, me, let me share with you a little bit about what Paul wrote about his dream. Now, we're going to read out of the book of Romans in the New Testament. Basically, the book of Romans is just a letter that, that Paul wrote to the churches in Rome at the time. Now, it's interesting. Paul had never been to Rome, okay? He knew that there were, there were churches that were kind of beginning in Rome. R Rome was just the power at the time. The Roman government occupied uh, the Middle East where Judaism began and where Israel was. And so Rome was everything. And the city of Rome was just, that was the powerhouse of everything. And so the churches that were starting there, Paul had never been there, but he wanted to write them a letter to just kind of give them guidance guidance and instruction on what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean uh, to live out this life? How does that look practically and to encourage them and teach them a little bit? And so in this letter, he kind of, he kind of shares his heart about his dreams and, and what God did through them. So check this out. In Romans chapter 15, Paul wrote this, or writes this. Wrotes? Wow. Paul writes this. He says, my ambition, my dream has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. 
I've been following this plan that's spoken of in scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. So this is what Paul's saying to the, to the church in Rome. He's introducing himself. He's taught them a bunch. And now he's just kind of saying, hey, guys, this is what I'm all about. My, his dream was this, to go places where no one had ever heard of Jesus before. Paul wasn't interested in, in hitting places where churches had already begun and to kind of go in and maybe teach a little bit, you know, and they pay him a little bit and take care of him and then go to another church. That was not what he was about. Paul was about starting churches out of nothing. Paul was about starting churches in places where churches were just an idea at the time. Paul was interested in starting churches, honestly, in places where he and his team were the only people who even knew who Jesus was. That's what he was all about. And in fact, we know this about Paul. He went on these three major missionary journeys. The church at the time had begun in Jerusalem. So out over in Palestine, the area of Israel. And that's where the church began. And Paul um, had some roots there in Jerusalem. And, but Paul lived in a city called Antioch, which is a little bit north of that. It was in the area of Rome, uh, of Roman rule at least. And, but Paul decided he wanted to just go. And so he went on these missionary journeys that went from the Middle East and, and took the message of Jesus, took the story of Jesus all the way into to the area where Europe is right now. So he took it into Turkey. He went as far as Greece, and he would travel around, and then he would come back to home base, and then he would go out again, and he'd go a little bit farther and come back to home base. And he did this three times. And then he would be gone for years. And he would just travel from big city to big city, from town to town, and he would start a church, get it going, and then move on. Now imagine this, Paul would start a church with people who didn't know who Jesus was, which means he started a church, he taught people who Jesus was, and then he left a person in charge who had literally just learned who Jesus was. That's some guts, right? And so that's what he did, he traveled, and he, and, and he, he pushed this dream to take the message of Jesus to people who had never heard it into corners of the world who had never heard of these things before either. And this is what Paul says in that next verse in Romans chapter 15, he says, this is what my dream has always been, to go to these places. And then he says, but now I've finished my work in these regions. I had this dream. I had this dream to go to these cities, to go to these areas, and, and, and I did it. It took three trips. It took a lot of years, but I traveled, and I made that dream happen. People said it was impossible. People said it was too dangerous, and it was dangerous. I mean, Paul, he lived a rough life. Paul was imprisoned a lot. Um, Paul had been beaten. He was stoned. Like, not stoned. He was stoned with rocks, people throwing rocks at him. People threw rocks at him until they literally thought he was dead. And they stopped throwing rocks at him because he stopped moving, and they thought it was, that was it. And then they left, and he was like, I'm not dead, you know? <laughs> but he survived. But Paul lived a tough life. Paul would go teach in cities, and there would be riots. And the riots would start, sometimes the riots would start among the, the, the Jews at the time who felt like Christianity was a, a heresy of Judaism, or it would start among people who worshipped Roman gods at the time. There would be riots. In, in the city of Ephesus, there's a massive riot because the silversmiths who made silver idols to, to the goddess Artemis were just like, Get, you're wrecking our business, right? And so like Paul, he lived a hard life, and people told him, it's too dangerous, it's too risky, don't do this. But Paul's like, I have a dream. It's like, I, I have a dream that this can happen. And then he's like, and, and he's writing to the Romans. He's like, this is my dream. And he said, it did happen. We did it. And check out what Paul says. He continues. He says, but now I've finished my work in, Ro in, in these regions. And after all these long years of waiting, after all the long years of things I've done pursuing this dream, I am eager to visit you. See, Paul had never been to Rome. 
And then he says this, and he says, and I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome. Now, th- there's a lot in this sentence that, that is good for us to understand. Paul had never been to Rome. It was, it was way far west from where the Middle East was. It was much farther west than anywhere he'd ever traveled uh, into the region of Italy, past, past Greece. And he had this dream of going to, to visit the Roman churches. But Paul's dream of reaching people who had still never been reached was still there because Paul says this as he writes the Romans. He's like, I'm coming through, I'm going to see you, but it's really just a stop off because I've got this new dream. And my new dream is to get to Spain. Now, at this time, Spain is as far west as you can go in the world. Okay, this is, for them, that, like, that's like the edge of the flat earth, right? And if you go to the edge of Spain, then you're going to step off and you're going to fall off into space and drift there forever. Okay, that was for all you flat earthers. That's, that's what Paul, that's where Paul wanted to go. And so when he says Spain, everyone's like, holy cow, that is like barbarian territory. Like, everything ends at Spain. Paul's saying this, I want to go to literally as far as you can possibly go to the ends of the earth. Now that's my dream. And I'm going to stop off and I'll visit you guys, but you guys got churches. You guys are good. I want to go to places where I can keep pursuing this new dream that I have. And this is, what is, this is what's interesting, and I think it's really important for us to grasp about Paul and, and to, to apply to our own lives, is that Paul's dreaming didn't stop when his first dream was accomplished. I mean, he said it in his own words, but I have accomplished that. His, he had this dream to go to these regions, and then in three missionary journeys, he did it. But his dreaming didn't stop there. Paul kept dreaming, even when his initial dream had been accomplished. He dreamed of even going, going to further corners of the world where the message of Jesus had never been. Places that were more dangerous, more risky. Places where he had less support, less people behind him. Places where there were less churches where he could go and find safety because they didn't even exist where Paul wanted to go. Paul had dreams, and he was going to places that were risky and dangerous. In fact, we know this in, in Acts chapter 20. Um, Paul, we're going to take a look at what Paul says here in just a moment. Paul is talking to people from the church in Ephesus, and Paul was traveling back to Jerusalem where he was going to launch out to head towards Spain, and people were telling him, they're like, dude, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. It's dangerous. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And Paul was like, I'm doing it. And this is what Paul says in Acts chapter 20. After he's like, guys, I know you love me. I know you care about me, but I'm doing it. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul's like, if I don't chase these dreams, if I don't chase my dream, this big, stupid, crazy dream, if I don't do it, and if I don't tell people about Jesus, this mission that God's given me, then what's the point? Why am I even here? My life's worth nothing unless I can accomplish this. Paul, like JFK, he was a big, crazy dreamer. And I tell you about that because we're, we're at this unique point in the history of our church where we've moved into this building and it's like, what's next for us, right? We've been a portable church for five years and now I, part of the dream has always been to get into a building, to get into a space. And it's like, what's next? And, and so today we've been, you know, the last several weeks we've been talking um, a lot of practical things about, you know, how do we get involved in what God wants in our lives and how do, how do we give towards what God wants in our lives. And today I just want to take a second and I just want to, I just want to maybe dream a little bit with you all, if that's okay. Because in the last several weeks, being in this building has done this weird thing for me. I've just kind of been really reflective on what God 
has done in the past. Just being in this place and seeing it. You know what I mean? It's like when your kid graduates high school and then all you can think about is how they were a baby that you held in your arms. And you're like, it's weird. And that's kind of like what I had. So, I mean, Compass started five years ago as a Sunday morning church. We launched to Sunday mornings as a church five years ago. But really, Compass began before that. Terry and I were, we were at, working at a church in Kansas City. At the time, just, just God developed this, I don't know, a burden in our hearts, just a desire to start a new church. I mean, kind of really honestly like Paul, he's like, I don't want to go be at some church that already exists. I want to start something new. And I think that like God wired us to be that way. And he started to put this desire in our heart to do that. And we felt like this was the place we wanted to do it. And so we moved back here to town with this, this like, this idea, this dream. There was no name. It was just the church that God's going to maybe have a start someday when we move back to town. And so we started talking to people we knew and, and, and just like, what do you think? We kind of want to do this. And we, slowly we started to gather this like, group of people around us. We're like, yeah, I'm into this. This idea that you're sharing, I'm into it. And then this new dream started to develop. And it was the dream of what Compass is. And we started to meet on Saturday nights um, and have some services to kind of build our core team and our launch team so that when we launched the Sundays, we'd have it. There's like 15 of us. Um, that were like really rock solid in the center core of it. And some, there's some people, uh, a lot of the people who are part of that core are still here with us today who remember what it was like when it was like you'd meet on a Saturday night and then you'd go to Meatheads afterwards and eat dinner because like there were so few people sitting there on Saturday nights. You just had to make the night good somehow. <laughs> Maybe a burger would do that for you. Um, but it, we have this like, this dream started to develop. What, what, God could do if we started this thing, and a name came, and it's like, there's this dream for Compass Church, and then we launched to Sundays, and it's like, oh my gosh, the dream's becoming real, but there's still so much more, and, and just a couple weeks ago, I'm walking through the building, and I'm looking at all this stuff, and I was just like, seven years ago, all of this was an idea. Seven years ago, this was just a dream. Like, the seats you're sitting in, and the four walls, and the lights, and the, the you know, the big, loud, awesome band, and like the rooms for kids. I mean, this was, this existed in the hearts and minds of a handful of people as just this like imaginary thing that maybe someday could happen. And I was sitting there, I was like, God, you did this. It was just a dream, but God, you did it. And then I was like, I just thought, I was like, man, if God did that, what else could God do if we kept dreaming? God made that dream real, and we're living it right now. What else could God do? And so I just, I don't know, I just, knowing Paul was a dreamer, and he dreamed big, crazy dreams, I just started to think, well, what, what could we continue to dream? What could God do if we just kept dreaming? So I just want to talk to you about dreams. Just want to talk, let's dream a little bit, okay? Now, I want you to know, we're going to be talking, these are dreams. These are not structured plans, okay? These are not things that it's like there's, on this date, we're going to do this. Like, let's just dream for a second, okay? Let's, uh, for those of you who are detail-oriented, my wife is like this. Anytime I start talking about a dream, she's like, well, okay, but we're going to need someone for three minutes every hour to do, and I'm like, stop, let's just dream, okay? Let's go to the moon. Okay, so let's go to the moon for a second. Dream for compass, just some things. There's some things that are really attainable, I think, for us, especially as it relates to the launch generosity initiative. If, if the church comes together and says, I'm willing to give to support this, there's some things that are really attainable. One of those dreams that I think would be amazing is this. I would love to bring on another full-time staff member, another, another pastor in the church. Um, statistically, most churches um, have one staff person for every 50 to 75 people in their church. Right now, after our move, we are a church of between 250 and 300 people, and Kevin and I are the only full-time staff people. Now, again, we got killer volunteers to do a ton of work, but, I mean, the bigger we get, 
that's a load. Okay, it is a big load. And you see it on, I don't know where Kevin is. Kevin's probably hiding in a room crying because the, that load is so big. That's what he's doing. He's like, second service is done. <laughs> but I think that's an attainable dream, right? If, like, if, we, if we come together, we can say we could hire someone who could push the ministry of this church forward. Man, when we hired Kevin, dude, our youth ministry exploded. They talked a little bit about fine arts. Like, we didn't really have a youth ministry um, before we really brought Kevin and Jane on full-time. We had kind of a group, and they kind of managed it. But when we, when we brought Kevin on full-time, and, and he could dedicate all his attention to it, our youth group has exploded. And just so you know, more statistics. Statistically, a healthy youth ministry at a church is 10% of the church's size. So, like, people would look at us, and they'd say, well, your, your healthy youth ministry size would be, like, 20 to 25 students. I mean, we would, we'll routinely run between 40 and 60 people at our youth ministry because we've invested in Kevin. Yeah. And our band, I mean, just shut up. They're, they're awesome. So anyway, I, I know I got stuck on that, but I think, I think bringing someone on, it's like, how do, we, how do we do spiritual formation? How do we develop people on a path of discipleship? How, how do we move those things forward so that we can make God accessible to more people? That's attainable. We could do that. That's a dream, but it's kind of right there. There's other dreams that are right there too. I mean, we have a dream for the egg hunt that our, our Easter egg hunt could be massive. There could be lots of people who don't know Jesus who can come be part of that. I got this dream that this summer, totally attainable, that we just do a massive summer kids program this week. We just, we do a summer blast that is huge. I have this dream that it's like video game themed, you know, 8-bit Super Mario type stuff. And we just like, we fill this place and we don't fill this place with people who are like, well, my church is doing one next week. And so I'm going to come to this one during this week. So I want experiences. Heck no, forget that. I'm like, Paul, I don't want to go get other churches. I want kids who've never been in the church a day in their lives. And when they come to our summer blast, they're like, Jesus who? What? And then they're like, oh my gosh. And then like, seriously, their families start coming and they're transformed by the love of Jesus. That's attainable. We can do that if we pull together and make it happen. It's a dream. Then there's like these, I have these crazy dreams. And now I, I just, I will warn you, I am a little bit of a dreamer. Okay, so I'm the guy who likes to come up with big, stupid plans, get the ball rolling, and then run away and go to the next big, crazy plan where, where people are like, okay, he moved this ball and it's rolling, and I don't know what to do now. That might be a little bit me, but I have some, like, these are just dreams, and there's some dreams from people that I've talked to and just kind of like, what are you dreaming? Like, imagine this. Like, imagine, imagine, I just I have this dream. What if we bought a house that had four or five bedrooms, and that in this house, we, maybe we have um, a couple um, who we just, we hire to live there. Maybe they live there rent-free and then they get, you know, a stipend on top of that. And that, that any time a kid is taken out of their home by social services or any time a kid is in a, an abusive situation where they, they have to be protected from that or removed from that, then instead of sitting in an office at DCFS while a social worker is just calling foster family after foster family saying, can you take a kid? No, okay, okay. Can you take this kid? No, okay, okay. Just can, you, can anyone take this kid so we don't have to send them to a shelter somewhere that we have a house and it's, it's set up so that anytime a kid is removed, that every social work agency in our, our community knows this, there's a place for this child and it's, it's a place that's decked out and welcoming and loving and they know whether it's a week or two weeks, whatever temporary placement it needs to be that those kids are going to, there's a way station where those kids can be safe and loved and protected and maybe like the house parents, they live there all the time but we got teams of volunteers who are trained and equipped and it's like when, when kids come in, it's like, hey, I need you today and I just need you on like lunch and hangout duty and so we got volunteers and it's like maybe you get a call and you're like you go and you make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you just play board games 
play video games, hang out, take them to the mall. And while the, the short time we have these kids, we, we take care of them, we love them, tell them about Jesus. I don't know, it's a dream. It's something, it's crazy, but God could do that, right? Or what if, you know, what if, what if bought a house and it's, and it was just for missionaries. Who's like, there's missionaries who work overseas in Africa or Indonesia or, or all over the place. And like, they come back to itinerate and to, to raise money so they can go back into the mission field. But they got nowhere to go. I mean, they're just, what, what do they do? And there's a house. We have a home base. And they just live there. And you live there all summer. And that's like, that's where you stay to raise your money. And then, you, then we send you back in the field. I don't know. It's a dream. It's possible. What are, what are the things that God could do if, if we just dreamed big? What if, what if we looked at our community and said, like, enough addiction, okay? Enough, enough addiction to alcohol or prescription drugs or, or pornography or whatever, whatever all these things that have just got people so bound up and are destroying their lives. What if we just said, we're going to start something that's going to tackle addiction head on? Is it a ministry? Is it, is it another house? I just, I like buying houses, I guess. You know, whatever it is, like, what, what could we, what if we just decided as a church that we're done with the addictions and, and the things that are tangling people up in their web. And we just said, we're, it's over. We're going to take a stand and we're going to fight it. What if that was our dream? What if our dream was like, I mean, our vision is a dream. Make God accessible to everyone. Like, that's everyone. That's a lot. What if we had a dream that's, we're going to wipe out addiction on the campuses of our community? I don't know. What would happen? What could God do if we dreamt that big dream? What if, like, this is, I, this is not like, I don't see a plan to this, but like, it's a dream. I have this, it's a little bit of a dream. And it's like, what if we dreamed that because of what God did in Compass and what the people of Compass committed to, what if we could stop human trafficking in the entire state of Illinois? How? how? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. But Paul didn't know how he was going to get to Spain. He just dreamt he was going to get there. And what if... What if we just dreamt that, like, human trafficking stops now in our community, then human trafficking stops in our county, and then we expand it beyond? Is it, is it a, a ministry that starts at our church, a nonprofit that springs up out of our church? I don't know. How does it look? I don't know. We can dream it. We can dream it. And if we can dream it, God can do it. And you know how I know that? Because God already did it. Because we're sitting in it right now. We're sitting in a fulfilled dream right now. Today, we are sitting in a fulfilled dream. And God forbid, God forbid that there are people who are trapped in human trafficking. God forbid that there are um, foster kids who don't experience any love in their lives because they get bounced around from place to place and they never have a, a true experience of God's love. God forbid that there are people in our community who never get exposed to to the love of Jesus, to the grace and the hope that, that I know and I believe can only come from a relationship with him. God forbid that those things continue because we stopped dreaming that they could stop. Man, we dream big, you crazy dreamers. I mean, what? what and think about this. Like These are like compass dreams. These are like big C church dreams. It's like, this is our 501c3 and this will fall under this nonprofit organization and corporation. That, these are like, but like, You've got individual dreams. There's dreams God's putting on your heart that may have nothing to do with falling under, you know, some sort of church corporate structure. What is the dream that God's putting on your heart that's big and crazy and stupid and everyone's like, don't do that, come on. You went to college for something else. What are you thinking? Why would you do that? It's too risky, it's too dangerous. It'll cost you too much. 
What if you had your big crazy dream and rather than Compass be the organization that does it, what if you are the one who does it and Compass just comes up behind you and says, how do we help? How do we support you? How do we send you? How do we literally make this a launch pad, not just for the ministries of our you know, corporate church? How do we make this a launch pad for the dreams that God has put in your heart so that you can go further faster into your workplace, in your school, in your community? What would it look like if just we all got together and we just dreamed. What if, where is it that, where would we dream that God would have us plant another church? We planted Nexus in town. You know, do, do we dream of planting our church in town? Is it in Leroy? Do we plant a church in Chicago? Do we plant a church in Vietnam? I mean, where is it? I don't care. What is the dream that God's putting on our heart? How big, how wild, how insane, how crazy? God can do it. And God forbid that those things don't happen because we stopped dreaming. Man, this is, take, this is your takeaway, okay? If you want to write something down or take a picture to post to your social media so people know that you went to church, um, this is what it is. We need to dream like it's up to God and we need to give like it's up to us. We need to dream like everything that we're dreaming depends on God, that we cannot do it on our own. But then we need to give and we need to work like it totally depends on us. And here's the thing, when that's our posture, when that's our heart, when that's our attitude, that's the heart that God looks down on. That's the heart that excites God. I mean, truthfully, like I'm really stoked about big dreams and I'm excited to hear like what dreams might God be putting on our hearts, on your heart? What are the dreams that God might be revealing to us? And what, you know, and when I hear my kids' dreams for their future, whatever, I just get super excited and I'm more excited about the fact that they're dreaming big about something than anything else. And you know, your, your father in heaven is looking down on you right now and he's, and he's just going this, oh, I cannot wait to see what my people at Compass start dreaming. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what what Ryan's going to dream. What, what, what's the thing that he's going to dream of? Oh, I can't wait till he clarifies it and figures it out because I just wanna, I want, him to, I want him to succeed. I want to make it happen. I can't wait to see what dream Ashley comes up with because, oh, it's going to be killer. Oh, I just love it when my kids dream. And I just want to resource them to help those dreams happen. We serve a God who wants us to dream. And he's with us when we do. So my question to us to myself today is this are you willing to dream big crazy dreams with me and are you willing to dream dreams that only God could accomplish and then together are we willing to give and work as if it's totally up to us to see those dreams come to fruition are you willing to see lives transformed for eternity are you willing to see people set free from both spiritual and real modern-day slavery today because you're willing to dream big and to give big to see it happen? Are you willing to see a child who, who the course of his future is set toward prison, to see the course of his or her life completely shifted and transformed because we said, no more, not in this community. Every child matters and every child is too important. So we're gonna change it and we're gonna dream that God can do that. Will you dream those dreams? Will you give and work to see those dreams happen with me? That's what launch is all about. It's about us as a church saying, what is the next thing that God has for us? Where is he taking us? How big and crazy could it be? And what do I gotta do to be part of making it happen? Because whatever it is, it's worth it. Whatever it is, it's worth it. It's just like the apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, my life is worth nothing 
If I don't go all in towards this dream, whatever it is, I'm in. It's worth it. In just a few moments, we are going to um, come to the moment that this whole launch initiative has been pointing to. And again, let me tell you, if you are not a part of Compass, if you're a guest today, or if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, and, and you know, you're here for whatever reason, you're just exploring it, maybe you just like church, but like you haven't really been like all in on this, I want you to know that like we're not asking anything from you. Um, but if you're part of this church, if you're part of the body of Compass, and God has called you to this mission to make God accessible to everyone, and God has put that dream in your heart that resonates with what we've been talking about today because sometimes dreams harmonize right you've been hearing what I've been talking about and like you got a little dream harmony that's kind of popping out and it sounds really cool you know in your head and if that's you just a few moments we are going to take the cards that are on the chairs with us and the launch cards in fact you want to grab those now just just a few moments we're going to take those we're going to spend a little time talking to God hearing from God and we're going to fill those out and we're going to make our commitments for launch before we do that, though, I'm going to pray, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time centering on God, just spend a little bit of time in worship, and then I'll come back and I'll give us some instruction on what's going to happen next. So will you just stand with me? Lord, thank you for what you're doing in us. Speak clearly to our hearts. Speak clearly about what you want to do in our lives. God, we trust you, and we lean on you knowing that your dream for us is the best dream. God, speak to our hearts in your name. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.